Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest in the Catapult Ed series uh, podcast for NextGen. Uh, my name is Tony Katz, Director of Catapult Wealth, and here today to talk to uh, Mark Fullis, a financial planner with Catapult Wealth. And welcome, Mark. Thanks, today, um, we're talking all things savings plans for kids, and we get asked a lot about this stuff, um, and and how to say how to save for them, where do I put the money, uh, what's the most tax effective option, um, and and so I thought it was a good chance today to talk a bit about what people, um, what options they do have, and and what are the implications of some of this stuff. So thanks for for joining us today. The first and foremost question I've got. Mark, is that um, I think parents and grandparents for that matter, I think both of them I see ask us about putting money away for kids is probably answering the question, what's the purpose of the money? Like what's the, what are you trying to do? Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, very circumstantial um, what that intention of that money is. And um, obviously there's tax implications for each different investment sort. Um, and down the track, you just yeah, kind of need to have that periscope to be able to see down the on that landscape as to what that's going to be used for essentially. So, so different uses that we come across might be for um, secondary education. Um, you might be starting to put money away as a parent to try and save for the kids' uh, secondary education to pay for that. It might be to help the second. The other purpose I see comes up is um, parents or grandparents putting money in a child's name so that they then have a nest egg for, I don't know, buying their first house or potentially just putting it away for a long period of time uh, just as, a, as an educational tool. Sometimes, you know, buy shares and you learn about this and you can talk about BHP and Commonwealth Bank shares and learn more about investing. Um, do you – and both of those outcomes or both of those purposes, is, as an example – you, we need to understand what that is so that we can apply that to the right vehicle to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know full well we've both got kids and mm. it's very easy to, uh, you know, you'd like to look in the crystal ball and be able to say, well, I, you know, I'm going to use that money for educational purposes, but you know, kids are obviously all different and they all walk a different path and it could be that they tap out at school a bit earlier and yeah. end up going into trade school as well. So yeah. you know, what becomes that intention for that money as well becomes, you know, can be different. Off at all. Yeah, and the kids generally are just bloody expensive, Mark, let's face it, So and unpredictable. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in terms of options then, one of the um, the key ones I'll start with is where a lot of parents and grandparents start is investing in the share market um, in a sense that they uh, say, well, um, we want to put $1,000, like sometimes it's birthday money, sometimes it's Christmas money, and, and there's also a distinction between putting money in um, to, to kids' names uh, in a lump sum format, so $1,000 here, $500 there, versus a, a, doing a savings plan mechanism. Yeah. Um, we, one of the options in the share market is um, list investment companies like Argo and AFI, which are basically broadly diversified uh, investment funds across you know, t- top 200 companies. How easy is it to buy a share uh, on the share market? Like if you rang our office today, how easy is it to buy $1,000 worth of shares? Is it, is it pretty straightforward? Uh, yeah, once we have the account all set up, and obviously there'll be transactional costs incurred with that from mm. the brokerage side of things. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty simple process. However, once again, it comes to that intention as to if that account's going to be in the kid's name or how that's all going to play out as well. So you just got to backfill those finer details. So one of the things that you need to take into account is that the share market, um, you're not allowed to buy shares in anyone's, any child's name under age 18. Correct. So um, in my case, I have two children under the age of 18 and I can't register them from a, a chess and a share market point of view. Um, so that's problem number one that a lot of people face. Um, 
the reason for that is that because they're not of legal age, they can't vote uh, in AGMs and things like that. And so that's the reason why that rule exists. As soon as they're 18, they, they're, you're free to have an account in their own name. The alternative to that is if you still want to put um, have the child's name on the you know the shareholding that you buy, is you can put a parent or both parents' name down as what we call trustees. It's just defined as a simple trust. And you put, say, Tony Cat and Lisa Cat as trustee for Angus Cat, um, and the shares will get bought. Um, our tax file numbers, the parents' tax file numbers, get registered on there. It's pretty important also to remember that even though the share, the tax file numbers are in mum and dad's name or grandparents' name for that matter, um, the parents don't have to declare or don't declare the dividend income or any income that comes from that investment into their tax returns. It's defined as it's still the beneficiary is the child. Um, the child technically uh, is the beneficiary of the income and if you reinvest that income or put that income into a bank account for the child, that's all great. The one thing that I would be very, very careful about with this sort of strategy though is the the ATO, and, and I'm, I'm going to say approximately here because I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, is that you're allowed to earn, if you're under the age of 18, you can earn approximately $500 of, of what is defined as unearned income, so the the child didn't go out and work at Macca's and earn it, um, before and if they start earning more than that, they start getting taxed at sixty six percent. So you have to be very very careful about putting money through this mechanism, substantial money, getting dividends that are high um, above that level, because then maybe potentially some penalty tax can kick in. Um, the rule is there designed so that parents don't just hide investments in these sort of vehicles and try to avoid tax. Um, so the rules are there for a certain reason. But you need to carefully think about how much you're putting into the child's name. Again, as Mark said, for what purpose? And be very careful about this penalty tax regime uh, in their own name. The other thing that needs to be very, very, you need to be very, very conscious of in um, savings or investing in the share market with kids is the minimum investment size that the ASX um, permit is a $500 investment. So if you don't, if you've only got $400 or $300, you can't register that um, amount of money or that value of your share. So it must be $500 or more to get started. Um, one of the other ones we get asked a lot about, Mark, as well, is just um, uh, is education bonds. Um, how are bonds different and what sort of advantages do they have? Uh, yeah, well, bond itself is a, pretty much an insurance policy on a on an individual. Um, they can be used for well, education bonds especially. They, um, they have a tax effectiveness um, that uh, actually can see that the actual investment earnings on that, uh, on that fund will actually be tax-free if, the, uh, if you hold it for over 10 years. So there's a vesting period that you mm-hmm. can hold that for. However, if you actually take money out, or you can continue to put money into the uh, bond over time. However, mm. when you do start to take money back out again, uh, that those earnings that are actually sitting against the bond are actually tax free as well. So yep. there's a you know a lot of there's a few little finer details in there, um, and it's very tax effective. Mm. Um, and you don't have to you know, as we said before, you don't have to use it purely for secondary schooling. You can no. use that for hex as well down yep. the track. So good, yep, a fair bit of flexibility with that. So that may come in handy, um, again, if you've got a, I'm going to say an eight-year-old that, you know, is, is you know facing potentially another 10 to 15 years worth of study if you go into a sec- a secondary and then uh, college education or university education, they, um, and, and it's a substantial amount of money, like twenty, thirty, forty thousand um, dollars $40,000, going back to my last point around the penalty tax, this would avoid 
some of those issues and and uh, and be much much lower tax rate. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's once again the purpose as to what that money is there for um, just becomes so much more imperative. Um, if you were to start taking out the money out of the actual fund itself, they actually take out the capital component as well. So any earnings that are actually attached to the, to the investment itself, mm-hmm. they stay within the actual fund. So mm-hmm. until such time as you have to start incurring that tax on the earnings. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty special um, product. It can work quite well. Yeah. In terms of just, and I, and I don't want to get into too bogged down in too much details with these education bonds, but to draw money out to get the tax effectiveness, so you need to use it for... Education, education purposes, purposes. Yeah. and there's there's definitions around what inclu- is included in that, whether it be uniforms, books, um, tuition fees. Yep. Like you can't run out and buy a car. No, um, unfortunately, no. <laughs> but there is certain things that that could be used for. Um, that's probably the the key element of this education bond is understand the how you get your money in, how you add to it over time, yep. and then how you get your money out. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things as well to actually how you can add to it. So yes. if you were starting, you know, let's say you put in five grand in the first year and then year on year you start to put in another $1,000 each year. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't actually just sit there and go, well, I'm going to change that from 1000 bucks. I'm going to flick that up to 2000 mm-hmm. No, you have to do it at 125%. So year one, you're going at one grand, uh, 1K. Then the year after that will be 1250 So just that's how it compounds up. So in, you know, the year after that, you'd 125% yep. on uh, and, and ultimately, Mark, you're right. In a sense, though, it's the maximum you can put in. If you put in $1,000 every year for the whole child's life, um, you can do that too. You don't have to ratchet the amount up. But similarly, if you miss a year and it's zero, mm-hmm. um, 125% of zero is zero. So yep. as soon as you stop contributing to it, you then can't contribute to it anymore is my understanding. Yeah, correct. And that's where, you know, from our side of things, we do, we run the numbers out and say, you know, we do the present value calculations and take into account a rate of earnings and all that sort of stuff. So we can actually bring you back to point zero and say, well, you know, if you look at, you want to have 50 grand a year for, you know, if you've got, you know, especially for farming people that have boarding children that yes. go to yep. a private school around here, well, yep. you know, you're looking at north of 40, 50 grand. Yep. We work that number right back and sit there and say, well, you know, this is, you know, how, how much you need to put in. Yeah, this is a path you have to walk down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And, and ultimately, um, you can still invest in through those bonds. You, you've still got a very big variety of choice of where you invest. So it can be international shares, Australian shares, property, fixed interest, the whole gambit. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just looking at all the breakdown before, and the, yeah, quite a vast range. Yeah, mm. pretty much balance, emulate a balanced or you know growth fund, and obviously looking at the international and local um, equities markets. So this question we're getting a lot more too while we're on the topic of investment is a lot of. Um, kids back in my day, and I don't want to say to everyone how old that is and, and Mark's day, um, is that we used to get interest, Mark, of, I don't know, 8 9% in our Commonwealth Bank, whatever they were called, passbook Dollar accounts, dolomite accounts, yeah. is that unfortunately, and, and that was really good to try and put some money away, you earned some interest, it was technically risk-free, it was pretty simple. Um now people, you know, they're putting money into savings accounts for these kids and they're earning really, like, let's be honest, zero. Yep. So looking at alternatives for these kids is imperative to try and at least try and make the money work harder. And and now with kids, you know, they're five, six, seven, eight, nine years of age, you know, you might not, you might put this money away for, you, you might want to put it away for 10, 12 years. It's a long time to be sitting in a bank account oh, yeah. doing nothing. So. Yes, the market goes up and down. Yes, property markets go up and down. But trying to take a bit of growth or take a growth mentality um, for the kids while they're young, you've got time on your side. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's um like once again, you know, we sit there and project out what that balance would be looking like if you're you know, tipping in twenty bucks a week or mm. how that all plays out. But um, yeah, the rate of return that we're getting at the moment doesn't compound that and make that no. as appetizing as it used to be when we were kids. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of parents um, or grandparents look to do these things is to teach the kids some things. Um, do you come across that very much? Yeah, actually have a fair few clients that are being quite interested in that side of things and they just want to show the kids the functionality of the investment process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we've seen recently with the market's gone down, the market does come back up again. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, on the overall, it's a very good educational tool. So, you know, you can put um, – well, I always believe, and I think it's a very good educational tool um, for a variety of reasons, but I find that um, it's really – you can talk as to your blue in the face to your kids about Commonwealth Bank or the share market or BHP and all these sort of things and how it all works, but until they've got their hard-earned money or they've got some money in there skin and they the can un- – Yeah, skin in the game. They really don't show a lot of interest in it and – but as soon as there's some money in it, um, I find particularly I've got two nephews that follow the market quite closely and um, they tend to look up the share price every day and ask a few more questions about buying and selling and why things are going up and why things are going down and the effects of certain things on certain stocks. Um, it, it, it's amazing how it can change their attitude or educational process. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, that's the path that I walked down. My dad was, you know, he was heavily involved in the share market when I was younger as well. So, mm. you know, used to get the paper when that was yep. a regular occurrence and be looking up and down the ASX um, price listings on regular occurrence. So, yeah, it was good. Um, and, and one of the, and I don't know if you've got any stories, Mark, but I, one of the, the best stories I've heard about educating kids about money and risk was an interesting one that I, a, a tale I often tell, and it's true. So supposedly, um, but no, it was a it was a client of mine from from a long while ago that was trying to teach at that stage. I think his son was eighteen or nineteen, and I'm not saying this is right for everyone, by the way. Um, but trying to teach his son about risk, and he was an entrepreneur. The father was an entrepreneur, and he gave his son, and when I say gave, he said to his son, he gave him five thousand dollars at the start of every year, and for a lot of people, that's a lot of money. And but he could afford it, <laughs> but he gave him five thousand dollars and said, "You can, you're gonna here's the money. You can invest it however you like, but it must be invested. And at the end of twelve months, you need to show me what worked, what didn't work, and how much you've got left at the end. And and he, if it's all worth zero, it's all worth zero. But I want to have a chat about it, what you're doing, when you're doing it, and but you can do what you like. Like if you want to invest in X Y Z mining or whatever, it's up to you. And this." Every, but at the start of the very next year, so the 30th of December went past, and he got the, the child got to keep whatever money. If he turned the 5000 into $12,000, great. But if the 5000 was zero, so be it too, he got another $5,000 on the 1st of January. And he, he this went on for six years. And there were some win, winners and there were some losses. But what he taught his son was about how to take risk, how to assess risk, what it's like to lose – and and what it's like to win and and how to deal with money and how to and how, and a lot of reasons how to uh, how to how to behave with money and things like that and who to talk to and all these sort of issues. I, I I tell the story because I think it's one of the better stories I've heard about how to teach kids um, about some of this stuff. And um, do you have you ever heard of any other quirky methods like we we do barefoot investors all about the jars? Um, yeah, that's what I, I had it as a money box when I was younger. It was yeah. the, you know, the segmented money box that my grandfather had made me out and you know, 
all the little sections of holiday money and you know lunch money or just you know all those different components so yeah as um it's interesting as we said about the you know, commonwealth bank dollar yeah. account and you know that understanding as to you know what that looks like over time with compounding but as we say now there's not much interest so no there might be <laughs> risk, other options risk needs to be ratcheted up a little bit more yeah, and I think that sometimes, you know, we, we send our kids off to school and we send our kids off to uni um, and, and sometimes my personal view is they miss learning some of this crucial stuff about life and, and about some of the stuff about buying, um, you know, using the share market, using property investment, how to do it. Um, and, and I think that, that that certain gentleman years ago that I talked about earlier, he, he probably saw that as a, as a cheap education um, for his son before... He started messing around with a lot more money and made and and we all know we've all but made mistakes and we've all done stuff we probably and with the benefit of hindsight shouldn't have but he probably did it in a way that taught him a lot without as an investment in his son and it sort of put down to nearly you know um, education costs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of other things that you can um, invest in, um, one of the other options if you don't want to go down the direct share path, you can use managed funds as well, Mark. Um, do you have some examples and some things that you know you, we can clients can use? Yeah, managed funds are quite flexible as well. Um, they generally have the tax that's all wrapped up in them. But um, on from you know, from a transactional side of things, as we talked about before with direct shares, you can actually just set up like a BPay that the money will just actually get dispersed into that managed fund. Yes, um, and then from that side of things, it's a little bit more hands off. Um, but you end up getting your report at the end of the day, at the end of the year, and showing you know, where, where there was a the growth and whether you know, how they are. Um, how the treatment was for taxation side of things as well. Mm. So it's a much simpler admin system. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think the, the names that spring to mind is a Vanguard Growth Fund, I think, and and they can invest internationally in Australia. And yep. you're not left trying to pick CBA BHP shares yourself. You can leave it to to the vanguards of the world to go do that. Yeah, you get the diversification that mm. yeah, at the end of the day you want to be. As you say, that risk side of things, you want to be spreading that out as much as you can. Mm. Um, obviously, in line with what you're trying to achieve as well from an investment side of things. So, and and, it, and, I, and I have a saying around the money you don't see is the money you don't miss. Is if you set it up at a hundred dollars a month, or if you you know if, if your son or daughter are working at Macca's like my son is, and he wants to, he's earning a hundred bucks a month and can put that away. Uh, um, it, it's it, and it automatically, like you said, comes out like via a, an automatic debit credit type system. Yep. It's amazing how quickly it can build up. You teach your children about the compounding effect of this money and, and it can be quite a significant sum of money after a period of time and I think it does offer a, a lot of lessons around savings. Yep. It's actually, as I understand it, can prove to be a um, pretty useful when you go to a bank for a loan too because you need to prove a history of savings and things like that. Yeah, so uh, that can help. Um, one of the other things that I just wanted to point out too is that if you, well, I said earlier that you can't put shares in the name of a child under 18. Once they turn 18, it's a fairly easy, we do it what's called an off-market transfer to take the names of the parents off of the share holding and, and effectively just leave the child's name as the as the sole beneficiary of that. Um, and that that's a fairly easy easy approach. If you, you're not, the parents aren't going to be stuck on there or the child um, is he going to have his parents to answer to for the rest of his life? But that can that can transfer fairly easily uh, once the child turns eighteen. Yep. Yeah. Um, in in terms of Mark, is there any other um, mechanisms or things we've talked about? Education bonds. We've talked about shares. We've talked about managed funds. We talked about how you can use bank accounts, but um, and that's okay. And one of the things that bank accounts probably um, 
you know, can not work is they're nearly too accessible. So sometimes some kids might say, I've got $1,800 saved up in a bank account and oh, I want an Xbox, all right. And that's great. But, you know, it's pretty easy to get the money out of the bank. If you go and if you have $1,800 worth of, I don't know, Vanguard ETF or an education bond or some shares, it's, it's a relatively, well, it's not that it's hard, but it's a one step removed to administratively get that money back out. And therefore, again, it might mean that the, ch- the child doesn't go and spend it on the Xbox or something like that. Yeah, the wall's a bit higher. Yeah. So Abs- I've still got a little bit more bargaining power on it. So, yeah. Abs- Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I think that these savings plan conversations are crucial. A lot of families want to be ready for education costs. Education costs have gone up astronomically over the last 20 years and and you know past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior they'll keep going up um you know maybe at three four percent a year and and um uh, you know i think that in year 12 can't even remember how much my dad paid for me to go through college but uh it's i think i've worked out it's four times as much today so from 1990 to, to 2020 um 30 years later so and over the next 30 years, I believe it's going to be, people say, oh, it might stop. Nah, you know, it might stop for a little while, but I think it'll keep ratcheting up. So being ready for that as a parent, um, as you say, Mark, talking about what, what you think that, what school it is, what that might cost, projecting that forward. Um, education costs are not tax deductible to parents. Uh, it comes out of your after-tax income and it can be, if you've got a few kids in high school at the same time, uh, it can be an expensive process. So... Be ready for it. Get set for it. We talk a lot on these sort of podcasts about planning and goal setting and things like that. So make sure you're ready for it. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate having you on and um, good luck with your uh, Commonwealth Bank savings account, mate. I'm sure that those moths coming out of your wallet, you've still got that Commonwealth Bank uh, savings account. So I really appreciate you uh, coming on today and uh, thanks for everyone for joining us. And if you've got any questions about um, saving or investing for your kids, um, let us know and have a chat to us. Thanks for having us.